Welcome to Blitzcast, an NFL Draft podcast brought to you by NFLDraftBlitz.com. And now, your hosts, Alex Kavtov and Ed Hunt. Welcome to Blitzcast number 96, and we've got a guest on the show. We've got an NFL Draft prospect and corner from West Georgia, Cedric Assay. Cedric, how are you? I'm pretty good, man. It's a pleasure to be here. This is an exciting time, Cedric. Obviously, you guys are getting ready for the pro day. It's it's your biggest interview, but I noticed you're a hot name right now. There's a lot of buzz about you. This must be flattering. Uh, yes, sir. I mean, I, I've been used to it throughout my whole career, so it's definitely nice getting some a little bit of recognition now as I'm heading to this process, especially going into pro day, you know, where I'm looking to make my name. Yes, sir. Tell us about the preparation for the pro day. Uh, right now I'm working at Chip Smith, man. On a daily, we do a lot of, I mean, on the daily, throughout every, I mean, every week really we focus on conditioning, a lot of resistance running, you know, um, really work on those speed. We do a lot of over, over, um, over speed training, work on our, basically work on just about everything that's going to be part of that pro day or combine for those guys that's going to the combine. He's been really getting us prepared from the weight room to the field and recovery also. Why did you choose that facility? Why did you go with Chip Smith? Uh, I really wanted to go somewhere where I was going to be pushed by guys or, you know, where I want to work with one of the best out there. You know, once I, once one of my teammates told me about him and I went and met with him, you know, he uh, told me, I, I didn't, he didn't really have to tell me anything once I walked in. I saw all the jerseys. But what really got me when he told me he had um, uh, Champ Bailey. He told me he had Champ Bailey, man. He said Champ came to him 4-4. Ended up, I mean, went out 4 2, and that's, that's all I needed to hear. You, you put Champ Bailey out there, I mean, that's the go to my position. So, that's it. Cedric, when is the pro day? When, when is the big day? March 10th, coming, coming up. It's going to be early. Well, that's, that's it. it. You're, you're one of the early ones out there. Is it going to be at West Georgia, or are you going to be somewhere else? Uh, it starts out at West Georgia. I think we might end up at Carrollton Indoor Facility, but it starts out at West Georgia. That's where we're checking in first. All right. Well, good luck with that on uh, March 10th. You are definitely one of the early ones out there. What are the biggest attributes that you bring to the football field, Cedric? Um. Well, the first thing with me is, you know, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty smart. I'm pretty smart. Or uh, having to play offense and cornerback, so I have a feel for what the offense is trying to do whether that's against the scheme we're running or me personally. I'm very detail-oriented. You know, I pay attention to the guys I'm going because my main thing is I want to win. So whatever it takes to have a competitive edge, you know, I'm going to key in on that. Uh, I really study the game. I'm a big grinder. And, you know what I'm saying, my, my will really, that's, that's, I feel like that's the number one thing that, is, that separates me from guys, just my will to win, man, just built different. I, just, Cedric, I, want, to, I want to be great, so whatever I have to do. Cedric, where does that speed come from? It's evident on the football field. So uh, where does that come from? I mean, I grew up in Africa. You know, growing up, we were soccer players, so we're really just playing games on the street barefooted all the time. So that's that's kind of where it kind of came from. Me and all my friends is racing on the street or when we got on, like, the soccer teams, is, you know what I mean, having that. So I used, that's where the speed came from, my back of my soccer days in Africa. That's interesting. What uh, country in Africa are you from? Uh, Cote d'Ivoire. Well, Ivory Coast in English is in the west side of Africa. Right that's, next to that, that's a pretty good country when it comes to soccer, doesn't it? You guys, yes, have, quite a, you guys have had quite a tradition. A lot of, a lot of players play in, the, in England from, from that country. 
Yes, sir. Yeah, we got we got some big names out there, man. I was I thought I was gonna be one of those guys, but you know, it came to the U.S. You had to make, adapt to a different kind of football. So uh, back to football. What's the key to playing the cornerback position? Um, I feel like you have to have a short term memory, and you you know what I'm saying you have like no matter what happens, you have to be your mind has to be set on helping your team no matter what what kind of way that is, and you know what I mean ended up trying to win. Well, helping your team get the win, basically, because, like I said, you might give up a catch here and there, but you have to be able to forget that and not remember who you are and knowing, you know what I'm saying, the, the, the bigger picture, and that's the win at the end of the day. So you, you have to have that dog mentality, man. There's going to be a lot of obstacles at the position because you're going backwards as you're going forward. But it's it's definitely something I, I, I love doing. I take pride in doing. I love, I love that competitive aspect of that other position. So it's all on you, really. So is there a corner you model your game after, like a guy you watch film on a lot, I mean, in particular? I watch a lot of guys, honestly, uh, from Patrick Peterson to how he is at the line, to Gilmore, Lattimore, you know, Tredavious White, guys like that that's really, you know, patient and hands-on at the line with length. You know, they, I definitely love Jalen Ramsey, but, you know, like he's really extremely long, so it's just something you can't really coach or add into your game. Something he's born with genetically. So, yeah, I definitely, Gilmore's definitely a big guy I try to look at and learn from his game, especially with him being at the top of the game right now. Well, he was the defensive player of the year. Obviously, it's the right guy to yes, watch. Sir. Uh, yes, you, sir. You played in the two All Star games in Daytona Beach, Florida. The first one was the National Bowl in December, and then you went to the Tropical Bowl in January. Uh, what's the biggest thing that you took away from those two All Star games? Um, biggest thing that, you know, I basically belong, you know, that basically all I was doing that, well, all I was doing throughout the year was was validated at those games. And going in, I believed I was a lockdown guy, you know what I mean? Just put me out there and I'm going to take that guy away, which is what I showed throughout the year. And going to those games and being able to do that, whether that was at the national with the competition at the same level or tropical, you know, bigger competition, as they would say, but you know, uh, that was that was the biggest thing for me, man. It was a big top list booster and just you knowing I I belong and, you know, trying to get taking steps to get to that next level and being able to um talk to teams. That that was one of the biggest things. So going back to high school, um, which schools were interested in you? Like uh, uh recruiting wise. The yeah. biggest the biggest school I had was probably um UCF. Yeah, it was my it was down in UCF in Miami, Ohio. And I ended up coming up north. I like, I love to visit. You know what I'm saying? I built, I feel like I built a bond with the guys that I was committing with. So I was like, I might as well just go be different and, you know, start up something new as a receiver in Ohio. I wanted to set my own trend and blaze my own path, really. So, yeah. You were actually recruited as a wide receiver. So how does that help you? Uh, how, what was the transition like when you, uh, when you went to corner? Uh, it was, it was, it, honestly, it was it was different. It was more, all right, well, I don't know what I'm doing, but this this is life or death out here. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, every snap for me is really life or death because, you know, I'm a father. So, I take – I take when I step on that field, I take it serious. You know, there's a lot of people depending on me that, you know, I play for. So, it was – at first, it was it was difficult, you know what I mean, actually trying to learn it. But, you know, once you put, you put everything towards it and just keep working at it, you know, you start getting it. But the main thing about corner that I love is just – Make or break, it's all on you. You know what I mean? No matter how beat, how bad a guy beats you off the line or whatever he does, you still have the opportunity to get that ball out or, you know, take it away, really. So, 
Cedric, aren't you, aren't you from Georgia? Are you from Georgia? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Does, moved here in 2006. How does a Georgia guy wind up all the way up north in Ohio? Yeah, that's different, man. I mean, the the coaching staff, man, they they definitely convinced me. I was I was I was sure I was staying down in Florida, but you know what I'm saying? They they definitely convinced me to come up there and take that chance. Yes, sir. It's definitely a big change, man. Real cold. <laughs> So playing in the MAC, uh, who was the best receiver you faced? Um, I faced a lot of good guys. Most specifically, the one I remember right right before I left, I remember I think Anthony Anthony Johnson was pretty hot at that time. That was that was one of the guys I faced actually. My first one of my first starts was against him, and that was that's when he was considered I guess the top or the best receiver in the conference. So you know I, I made sure I made sure I let guys know who I was that day. So. No, that was that was on our side. That was one of the guys, main guys that was hot, hot out there. Scotty Miller. There was a lot of guys. There was a lot of guys in the night. Well, Anthony Johnson from Buffalo and uh, Miller, who got drafted by the Bucks in the sixth round. Uh, why did you transfer to West Georgia for your final season? Why did you leave Miami of Ohio? Um, I wanted to be closer. Well, you know, like I said, my children are in Georgia, so I wanted to be closer to home. And you know, I felt like I needed. I, I, I felt like it was time for me to get the keys. You know what I mean? I, I, I thought I was getting the keys, you know, to the car at Miami during that year. But, you know what I mean? Like, I guess it was a misunderstanding. So, you know, I was just like, all right, well, I feel like I need to put everything, all the chips on my table and see what I'm really capable of and see that I'm, down that, that I'm that guy I believe I am. So, you know, once I graduated, it was just like, all right, well, I'm going to put all these chips on myself and, Go to the, you know, what I'm saying, get to the team and the, the scheme that fits me and my my strong suits. So, yeah. So you're a father. Uh, talk about it. How has your life changed with uh, with your kids being around? Uh it changed drastically, man. There's no, uh, no time for when I'm home. There's no time to you know hang out or things like that. They, they keep me, they keep me alive, man. I just I'm always with them when I'm home just, or training with them. You know, just having fun. They're they're, they're pretty they're pretty funny, man. They. they I feel like they get it from me a little bit, but you know, it's, it's, it's fun to be around them. I had my daughter early too, so she she definitely made me mature. I had her going to, I mean, basically in, in ninth grade, so I didn't really, you know, what I'm saying have like the, the teenage years that everybody else would. I kind of was basically like, yup, you know, what I'm saying responsibilities right then and there. Fifteen, that's her. But I love it, man. I wouldn't I wouldn't trade that for the world. Cedric, are are they going to be uh, future soccer players? Or? Oh yes, sir. Yeah, my my daughter's already got that ball on her feet, man. She she's seven. She's she already. We're already working and training with her. Yes, sir. I'm letting him figure out. He's only one, so I'm letting him. You know, what I'm saying, have his little fun and TV time out now. But around about four or five, yeah, we, we're bringing that soccer ball now. Uh, what can we expect from West Georgia football next season? Uh, what what do you foresee for for next season? Um, I see them having a great year, man. They, they, it's a lot of athletes on their team. It was just unfortunate this year how things panned out, but I, I see them having a really good year. It's, it's still a lot of athletes, and it's always people that transfer in just because of how um, how much West Georgia is known and getting guys to the next level. So I don't feel like anyone has a fear to go down to the D2 level just because of the competition and um, West Georgia has been getting guys out. Can you give it's, me a couple of good for them. Can you give me a couple of players that we should keep an eye on for next season, guys that are coming back? Um. That's that's a good amount. That's a good amount. Receiver wise, Tyler Fleetwood. That's a that's a pretty big guy. Uh, 
in the DB room, this is a lot of guys, man. Uh, MJ Latimer, Chris Blackston, uh, one of our corners, one of the main corners on our, on our team. Blaine, Blaine Gibson, he's he's a pretty about six foot six one. It's a lot of talent. Oh, even on the D line, um, Shaheen O'Neal, Marzavian, yeah, they have a lot of talent coming back. So, what's the most important thing that your coaching staff has taught you? Uh, at West Georgia. Yeah, West Georgia. Or Miami. Uh, I mean, just you know, have fun and really be be resilient, man. You know, be just the they really just prone or you know, we're um real adamant on taking taking the process serious. And that's throughout the week and staying consistent with the process. You know, that's what our D coordinator will always preach. You know what I'm saying? His, he always say his Mondays don't change. His Tuesdays don't change no matter when the loss. Stay consistent with the process and you have the same result or outcome, the result or outcome that you want on Saturday. So, you know, that's what I kind of took, really honed in. I really tried to take in and stay consistent with my process as I got ready throughout every week during the season. So I wanted to ask you, I mean, what's your favorite part of football? Um, just going, I mean, honestly, this it's, it's all fun, man, but I really just like being out there and just getting, ch- getting competitive and chatting with those guys, man. I'm, I'm a big talker, man. I love, I just love having fun. I love, you know what I'm saying? Cause I put in the work, so I'm not scared when I go out there to just be me. So I, I love going out there and just having fun, man. Just talking, you know what I'm saying? When to lose, I'm, I'm, I'm here. I'm, I, I love, I love talking and having fun with my guys on the field. Yes, sir. All right, Cedric. Well, it was great having you on the show. Um, you know, we, we look forward to watching your progress through the draft process. So we wish you good luck with the draft process and uh, good luck with your pro day. Oh, yeah, for sure, man. My pleasure being on. Appreciate you guys having me. The workouts are about to begin. We're about a week away from the scouting combine. Uh, the first day of the workouts are they're going to be held on February 27th. Uh, and it seems like on the list, we've got tight ends and wide receivers working out on that day. So that's going to be interesting. And we've finally gotten to this point where you and I were covering the All-Star Games. We went back home. We've been watching a lot more film on these underclassmen. And here's the scouting combine. The, the NFL has decided to put it in prime time. They're going to do it in the evening time instead of the morning times that they've done in previous years. And I, I think it's going to be good for, for the general public that's, that's working, you know, nine, 8 to 5. They're going to be able to see some of these events and not just the highlights on, on ESPN or the NFL Network. Yeah, I, I think that's a smart idea. I mean, the Combine is now becoming more of a, a mainstream thing and, um, you know, more fans are watching it and people want to know these draft prospects. Yeah, absolutely. And um, let, let's start with the first one. Ed, the, the biggest question mark coming into this 2020 scouting combine is Tua Tungavaloa, uh and his medical. I think every NFL team wants to know what that medical is going to show. And obviously, different teams are, are going to be looking at it in different ways. But the truth is, I mean, Tua has to ace at his recovery. And, and if he does, he's most likely going to be the second quarterback taken. And somebody is going to trade up to that number three spot where the Detroit Lions sit right now. So talk to me about Tua and how he has to. That's, that's his number one thing. He has to ace that medical. 
Well, I, I think I think first of all, I think we should read this tweet by Ian Rappaport, and I think you you and I can both agree that Ian Rappaport is pretty reliable. Um, this is what he said: uh, the three month CT scan for Bama QB and coveted draft prospect Tua was as positive as possible. Sources say. I'm paraphrasing a little bit. Uh, the fracture has healed. The hip and its range of motion is good. It's likely to be another month before he's cleared for football activities, though. So. For me, when I read this, I think this is the best case scenario for Tua. I mean, he they, he even kind of says it in the tweet. You know, he he basically this basically puts him back in the top ten conversation because it gives it, it it pretty much says he's healed. And you know, I I thought when this injury happened at Alabama, I was watching college football and I thought, man, he's not going to be ready for any of the you know draft activities or anything like that. And so he's going to be kind of an unknown. And I think that's why he might drop out of the first round, but. Now that it's healed and he can resume football activities in a month, they can see him throw. Maybe he'll throw at Alabama Pro Day. I think this is a good indication that uh, Tua Tungviola is back in the top 10 conversation. No, that that's awesome news out there. And uh, obviously he is, if it wasn't for that injury, he would have been battling Joe Burrow for that number one overall spot. I mean, heading into the this season, Tua was talked about as the number one overall pick, and obviously that has changed a little bit because of that injury history. But the one thing I noticed about Tua, Ed, he's a really quick healer. He's had some injuries in the past, and it seems like he always pushes his body to the maximum. He's able to come back a lot quicker than the most quarterbacks. Yeah, I mean, I mean you know, that's what I notice about these great athletes is, uh, you know, they're usually really great healers. I mean, it must be, you know, nutrition and good genetics and stuff like that. Um, because, you know, a guy like, a guy, you know, it, it might be like if, if it were for me or somebody like that, uh, you know, who had this injury, you know, it might be more serious. You know, I might, I, I might not have healed yet or I might not have, uh, you know, <laughs> I don't know if I, you know, I, I don't, I don't know if I'd be able to play football for a while. So, um, I think, I think this is, this is, uh, you know, th- this is kind of like the Adrian Peterson thing. You know, when he tore his ACL, it was like, oh, he's going to be out a year or two. And then, um, you know, Adrian Peterson, just freak athlete, you know, comes back. So, um, yeah, medicine has has come a long way, and and definitely these these athletes are recovering from surgeries uh, a lot quicker and ACL injuries as well. Let's stay on the quarterback topic and. I think we pretty much know that the top three quarterbacks are going to be Joe Burrow from LSU, Tua Tungvaloa from Alabama, and Justin Herbert. I mean, those players will get drafted in the top ten for sure. Most likely, they're going to be drafted in the top five. But my question to you is, can another quarterback sneak into the first round? There are some names that have been out there. It's Jordan Love out of Utah State. Jacob Eason out of Washington, Jalen Hurts out of Oklahoma, or possibly Jake Fromm out of Georgia. Now, those seem to be the, the consensus for names behind those top three, but nobody knows who the next quarterback is going to be. So I pose the question. We always see teams trading back up into the first round, late first round, to try to sneak in and, and get that guy. Is it going to happen this year? What do you think? Well, the guy that I think is the most interesting of those names, and I think the guy who actually will get picked in the first round is Jalen Hurts. Um, 
I think I think he 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 he's he's had a great enough career in college, and you know the fact that he he, he sort of has that running quarterback. It just it's sort of the, like the Lamar Jackson effect, and I think I think there's going to be some team that's going to go a little under the radar. And I think they're gonna want they're gonna want to select him. I mean, it's not gonna be it's not gonna be like every team's gonna be coveting him. But I think somebody's gonna surprise us, and they're gonna take him in the first round. All right, Ed. I mean, Jalen Hurts. You've been on his bandwagon ever ever since he transferred to Oklahoma from Alabama, and obviously the year that he had, the Sooners went to the college football playoff. Alabama didn't, and that just speaks volumes about Jalen Hurts as a leader and it's a big time college quarterback. I'm gonna go with Jake Fromm. I think Fromm's bandwagon has kinda nobody's talking about the Georgia quarterback right now because people are questioning his arm strength, his his mobility. You know, he had five games last year, especially in the second half of the season where he, he didn't even complete over fifty percent of his passes. He looked Different. His footwork looked messy. He, he didn't look like his old self, his accurate old self. And I just think people are going to fall in love with Fromm as, as they get him at the combine, at the pro day, when they get him on the chalkboard. Because this guy knows his stuff. He's a leader. He started for three years at Georgia. He's won a lot of games. He's played his best in a lot of big games, even though he hasn't always come up with that win. And I think Jake Fromm is is one of those guys to keep an eye on. I think somebody is going to just fall in love with that makeup off the field. And I think that matters just just enough. He's got a quick release. He's accurate. He's got good ball placement. And I think in the right offensive system, uh, he could be be a successful quarterback. So I'm going to go with Fromm being able to sneak in there. Even though I've got an early second round grade on him, but I just think he, some team might trade up and, and, and get him at the end of the first round. So we both believe that a fourth quarterback will be taken at the end of the first round. We believe that another guy will sneak in because it seems like it happens every year. Who is the fastest player at the scouting combine? Everybody wants to know. You know, People always write in, whether it's on Twitter or to my email, Who's the fastest guy this year? Who we should be? Who should we be looking at? And I think there's a clear-cut favorite this year. Ed, tell the public about it. Who who that player is? This guy Henry Ruggs from Alabama. Um, you know he he he's he probably is going to be the fastest guy. Number number one, he ran a four two five at Alabama's junior day, um, and now he's saying he can beat that. Um, so. I mean, there there are people who are saying that he's already, you know, sort of like outside of the combine, uh, just on his own. He's broken John Ross's record. So um, this is this is a guy who 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 was who was legitimately. I mean, he is he is a, he's an absolute speedster. And you know what I also like about him is I think he's a really just a good route runner. And so you know you give that speed and that route running ability. Um, you know he he really didn't get to, a chance to be the centerpiece of uh Alabama's offense but um I I still I still think he's uh I still think he's a, he, he's a legitimate first round candidate. He's the odds on favorite. Uh, absolutely. Uh a couple of more guys maybe that will uh give him some competition Ed. Who are some of some of the other players that might run that uh, very fast 40 times at the combine? 
Well, the two names that I, I, I kind of think of are uh, Jalen Rager and C.J. Henderson. Um, C.J. Henderson bulked up to 202 pounds, but I still think he's going to have a great combine running. Um, you know, he's he's trying to be a little bit bigger as a corner, um, but he's, he's still very fast. Um, Jalen Rager is just an athletic freak. Um, you know, he's going to do really well in the 40 time in the three cone. Um, he may not have the college production, of guys, you know, the other guys who were like in that first and second round conversation. Um, but as far as as far as just athletic ability and potential, I think a lot, you know, somebody somebody's going to like him, you know, like a Jalen Rager, you know. I, I could see like a team like Seattle would really like him. Yeah, his, his dad actually played in the NFL. So he's got those NFL bloodlines, maybe didn't have the, the junior year that people expected out of Jalen Rager, but... Uh, I think he's definitely an under-the-radar type of guy. And I think when he comes out after the combine, I think he's going to be one of those big winners because he's he's fantastic. I mean, he's, he's a great athlete, and he's got big-time speed out there. And TCU quarterbacks were a mess this year, so they weren't able to give him the ball and uh, certainly wasn't able to shine. A couple of other guys that I want you to keep your eye on, Ed mentioned the the top guys, but I'm going to say KJ Hamler out of Penn State. This guy's very light, but this guy's got legitimate 4-3 speed. So Ruggs is being talked about a lot, but KJ Hamler, the redshirt sophomore who came out and made himself eligible for the 2020 NFL draft, is is going to run a blazing time in the 40 as well. And then uh, watch for a couple of running backs, Levante Bellamy, uh, from Western Michigan, I think he's a 4-3 guy. Anthony McFarland from Maryland, he's also a very fast player. Jeff Gladney, uh, Jalen Rager's teammate, cornerback uh, out of TCU, he's also a 4-3 guy. But I do think that Ruggs has, he's the odds-on favorite to break John Ross's record. And it seems like Alabama teammates have gone on record to say that, man, this guy's going to be closer to... You know, Deion Sanders or Bo Jackson. Those times have never been confirmed how fast Deion or Bo, Bo Jackson were. But, you know, there are rumors out there that, they, you know, they ran, both ran a 4-1 something. And uh, I think Henry Ruggs is just, it's insane how, how fast he is. And you see that on the football field as well. But there are always a couple of guys that come out of nowhere. But I'm just, we mentioned the top guys who we expect to to shine in the 40. Uh, let's continue with the wide receiver scheme, um, with the wide receiver theme, Ed. The top two receivers in this draft, and I think you know, it, it depends who you like, but the top two guys are CeeDee Lamb and Jerry Judy. I mean, though, that's the consensus out there. But there are a lot of other wide receivers in this draft. We talked about it. This is a very deep draft. You can get some really good wide receivers on day two or even day three. You don't necessarily need to to go for that first round wide receiver. But LaVisca Chenault, your guy from Colorado, he needs to have a big combine because he's had an injury riddled junior season. They, they didn't get him involved as much in the offense. They're Half of the games, I think he had less than 50 receiving yards out there. So LaVisca Chenault needs to showcase that athleticism that he has. And, um, yeah, he's he's going to show it in Indy, Ed. 
Yeah, I, I, I think Chenault is a great athlete, and he is a track guy. I mean, maybe he's not probably like the best 40 guy, but I think he's going to do really well in a lot of the other events, and he he's still a great athlete. I mean, that's what... That's really what he was doing, you know, in the Pac-12 was, you know, dominating, you know, just being a better athlete than other guys. And um, so I, I, I think, I think Chenault, you know, Chenault was, Chenault was such a great athlete, but he's still kind of raw. I think that's one of the things about him. And so obviously being, being a great athlete and being kind of raw, um, you know, he, he, he probably, he, you know, he needs to have a good combine uh, to kind of stay in there. And I think, I think he could very much be the number three Um the guy, the guy, I think is going to be eventually be number three, or, or I think is going to be number three after the combine is Rugs. I think Rugs will run like I will break John Ross's record, and um, you know I think their teams are going to see his route running ability and just see the potential in Rugs and the fact that he, you know, didn't get to be the centerpiece of Alabama's offense, and so I think I think Rugs will be number three and Chenault will be number four. Um, another guy, another guy is T Higgins. I mean T Higgins from Clemson. He needs to have a good combine, Ed. Yeah, he does, and I mean, he—I think he has the best tape of you know between Chenault, Ruggs, and T. Higgins. I mean, T. Higgins is probably the best tape of the three. Yeah, absolutely, a big wide receiver that has got a huge catching radius, and he just—he needs to do well in those agility drills. And I think we'll see—we'll see how fast T. Higgins is. Those Clemson wide receivers—they've had success in in previous years, and. They're all big-time athletes, and, and T. Higgins is is the next one in line. Then there are a couple of wide receivers that need to answer speed questions. Ed, Michael Pittman Jr. from USC. He's not a fast guy. He's a possession receiver, but he needs to run pretty well. Gabriel Davis from UCF, another big wide receiver who has been ascending. He's from his freshman to his junior year, also needs to answer some speed questions. But you know what? There's one guy that is going to shine also, and his arrow is pointing up, Denzel Mims. Uh, at the Senior Bowl, you and I saw that Mims improved every day of the week. And, and during the last practice, he was dominating. He was, he was the number one wide receiver from both practices out there. And Mims is a former track guy. So I expect Mims to run a four-four as well and and shine in in those combine events. Yeah, I mean you you talked about Gabriel Davis. I mean I just kind of wanted to put some things about you know what I think of him. Uh, you know, kind of an interesting name. Uh, you know, he's he's a guy who played outside. Um, I think he's a decent route runner. Um, I think he puts some good effort into his blocking. You know, tries hard. Um, I think I think I think there's just a couple of things you know sort of to look out for and I think he, he kind of gets jammed at the line of scrimmage and so I think you know being able to run well will um, you know sort of alleviate that fear you know at least he you know has the speed to get off the line of scrimmage um, but yeah he, he is getting jammed off the line of scrimmage and I think he needs to have better hands as a receiver so obviously you know if he wants to be you know early day two guy then he has to he has to answer the questions of the combine. Absolutely. Like I said, this is a very deep wide receiver group. And I always say when it's a deep class, you don't necessarily have to go for those guys in the first round. You can pick up some really good players on day two or in the fourth round or the fifth round. So a team like the Raiders or the Jets who need multiple wide receivers, this is the draft that I would just be excited about because I can find... All types of receivers here, outside guys, slot guys, 
smaller guys, bigger guys. I could just... It's like an ice cream shop out there when it comes to wide receivers this year. Um, pick your favorite ice cream out there. Let's talk about the offensive tackles, Ed, because offensive tackles are going to dominate the first round. And if you need a good offensive tackle, you need to get him early. Because this isn't the draft where I would say, hey, you can wait. You can pass on those guys that are in the first round. You can get your guy on day two or on day three. No, there's a huge risk in that. And so I would say if you like an offensive tackle at the top in the first round, go get him. Go get your left tackle. Go get your right tackle. Let's go through the names. Andrew Thomas from Georgia, a left tackle. Tristan Wharfs, a right tackle from Iowa. Austin Jackson, USC left tackle. Ezra Cleveland from Boise State. I've been putting him in the first round. Now I believe he deserves to be there. Jedrick Wills Jr. from Alabama. So those are the five offensive tackles that I see being legitimate first-round guys. And then there are a few other guys that might sneak in. Uh, Mikai Becton from Louisville, very interesting guy. Just a big guy who's... 6'7", 350, 360, but he moves really well. I've never seen a guy move like that. He's got nimble feet. And then Joshua John Jones uh, from Houston, another guy. So I listed seven guys. I think when it's all said and done, it's going to be about five or six guys that get picked in the first round. But the offensive tackles will definitely dominate the day uh, um, on that day one in the 2020 NFL draft. Yeah, and uh, you know, I, I just going back to to sort of some of those guys I wanted to talk about. Um, you know, this guy Jedrick Wills. Um, I think he, you know, he played right tackle for Alabama, but I think he could be a left tackle in the NFL. Um, you know, he has good lateral movement. He's a good pass blocker. I think he's a really good punch. Uh, he's a good run blocker. Um, he might be my favorite tackle in this draft. He may not get picked first, but I think you know there's there's some upside. You know, being being that he was kind of one of the younger guys on the Alabama team. Yeah, like I said, it's uh, and I expect Ezra Cleveland from Boise State. I expect Austin Jackson from USC and Andrew Thomas from Georgia to show off that they're very good athletes. Yeah, I think we're going to see that as well, and I think people will get introduced to to a lot of these offensive tackles. This it's a good year uh, to be in the market for for an offensive tackle, and there again, there are plenty of teams even in the top ten that are looking for those offensive tackles out there. Uh, Let's go to the next topic, Ed. Let's talk about cornerbacks. Uh, Jeff Okuda is the number one corner on a lot of people's boards. Seems to be talked about as a top five. Nobody sees sees him dropping out of the top ten. So I want to find out who is that next guy, Ed, because that next guy is hard to find. I mean, there are many cornerbacks out there that have different skill sets. And there are, just, there are plenty of guys out there from big schools. But it's just interesting to see who will be able to be that, that next cornerback, that second, third corner to get picked. Usually those guys get picked in, in the first round. So I want to hear your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think there's a, there's definitely a, you know a few corners, you know a lot, a lot of corners, and you know there's kind of like the C.J. Hendersons and the Christian Fultons and um, so forth. I, to be honest with you, I think the the guy who should be second is Christian Fulton, and I know he has some character concerns, but I, I kind of feel like that was in the past, and he's come back, and he's 
you know, he's apologized and I think he, you know, he might have learned from his experience. So I, I, I actually think Christian Fulton might be number two. I know I know a lot of people are mocking him kind of like late first round. But, you know, I, I think he's an earlier pick than that. Okay, I'm glad you mentioned Fulton. I'm glad you mentioned C.J. Henderson. Uh, there are a couple of other names to keep an eye on. A.J. Terrell from Clemson. Jalen Johnson from Utah. And Trayvon Diggs. Stephon Diggs, younger brother, coming out from Alabama. A lot of people like him, but he has to answer those, those speed questions as well. Uh, because he needs to run a 4-4 uh, if he wants to secure that, that number one spot. Uh, let's talk about a prospect that I don't think is getting enough love. Like a lot of people know about him because he didn't go to the senior bowl right now. He has to get his name out there, but anybody who has seen SEC football knows who I'm talking about. Talking about defensive tackle, Derek Brown from Auburn. When you turn on the film, I mean, this guy, when he wants to, I mean, he can dominate any offensive lineman out there. And since, this draft class is is very shallow when it comes to defensive linemen, especially when it comes to defensive tackle. I'm surprised this guy isn't being put in the top five more often because usually we see big-time defensive linemen go in the top five. So I see Akuda, You know, I see Isaiah Simmons. I see you know some people putting offensive tackles out there like Andrew Thomas, maybe Becton. But I'm not seeing Derek Brown in there. And... I think he's going to have a good combine, Ed, and he's a really good kid off the field. So I'm expecting I'm expecting Derek Brown to to get that hype train rolling and uh, come out of the uh, the combine. He's certainly the best, you know, interior defensive interior guy in in this draft. Um, you know, I, I think there's a lot to like about him. I mean, he was a guy who you know he won a lot of matchups. Um, you know. You know, just I mean, you know, eighty percent of the time he's winning his matchup. You know, ninety percent of the time he's winning his matchup, and that's in the SEC. Um, I think he's a guy who drew a lot of double teams. You know, he has excellent technique. He's very persistent. Um, you know, he's been elite for a couple of years now. He's a guy who could have come out last year and probably gone around the same area, top ten, top fifteen. Um, I, I think I think this is this is definitely like a sure thing. Uh, for a team, and I think it, you know the first, the first outside of like the top five, um, I think the first team that needs a defensive tackle will take him. Like I said, expect Derek Brown to get his name out there a little bit more. Again, the guy who skipped the Senior Bowl, but could emerge as the next best prospect behind the quarterbacks and Chase Young. Let's talk about the tight ends. An interesting position this year because. I don't think there's going to be a single tight end drafted in the first round. I I think when you check out like different mock drafts out there and you look at these prospects this year, it's an average group. I mean, we got excited about them at the Senior Bowl because I don't think we expected a lot out of them. But we saw you and I saw Adam Troutman from Dayton. We saw Harrison Brown and Bryant from Florida Atlantic. There's Cole Komet. Uh, from Notre Dame. There's Colby Parkinson from Stanford. Bryson Hopkins, another tight end from Purdue, was at the Senior Bowl. So, But there's no clear-cut consensus number one tight end, Ed. I mean, if you ask different people, they, they have a different guy at the top. I do think a couple of them will get picked in round two. 
I do have a couple of guys in my top 50, but nobody is going to sneak in into the first round. So who do you think is going to emerge uh, as the number one tight end after the combine? Gosh, um, you know, I, I kind of went back to the tape, and I like what I see out of Troutman, um, but I, I think I think I'm I'm gonna go with Harrison Bryant. Um, I think he's a good route runner. I think he's good at uh, um, coming up with fifty fifty balls. Um, you know, I think he I think he's a decent run blocker. Um, does need to you know kind of fill in some areas and get stronger as a run blocker. I think there are some run blocking areas, but I think Harrison Bryant might be the best. Um, Troutman is a guy who, 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 who I think dominated the most on tape, but probably didn't play it as a higher conference and didn't play as difficult as opponents. Um, he, he's probably, I would say he's the most complete of these three tight ends. Would you say, I mean, of the, of the, of the kind of top tight end group? Well, I thought Harrison Bryant did some really good work in, in the blocking drills at the senior bowl. So Harrison Bryant came in. People were talking about his route running, his quickness, his speed, his ability to catch the ball. But what surprised me about Harrison Bryant was his ability to block. But I do think Troutman in general is a more complete tight end. So in terms of his athleticism, in terms of his speed, in terms of his route running ability, there are plenty of catches that he makes on film one-handed. So the guy has really good hands, and and we saw at the Senior Bowl, I mean, he did stand out against bigger and better competition, and that's what people want to find out, people coming, guys coming from the FCS schools, like, can they compete? Can they transfer? Can they beat a linebacker from a D1 conference, from the SEC conference? And Troutman did that. So, but I think Cole Komet, don't sleep on him. I think he's a guy that emerged during his junior season. And I think he's got a shot as well. So it's going to be interesting. I like Troutman. Troutman is my number one guy. But the fact is, I expect Bryson Hopkins to run really well at the Combine. I He is one of the better route runners at the tight end position in this draft. You and I saw that at the Senior Bowl. We see it on film as well. I mean, he can he can go short, intermediate, or deep. He can... He can attack all three levels out there with his speed and quickness and route running ability. And I also expect Harrison Bryant to run well, and that's going to get a lot of people excited as well. So the tight end position is an interesting one. We'll, we'll see. Uh, it's, it's not what we had last year when we had a couple of tight ends picked in the first round. Let's talk about the two guys, uh, two wild cards, I would say, the two linebackers, Isaiah Simmons and Kenneth Murray. Isaiah Simmons is just an out-of-this-world athlete. I think this guy can play linebacker. This guy can play safety. Uh, This guy is just a big-time athlete with outstanding speed. But Kenneth Murray is not that far behind, Ed. I know you played middle linebacker at Oklahoma. I like him as a weak-side linebacker. I like him to to switch to an outside linebacker in a 4-3. And this guy is going to get like 100-plus tackles a season. There's no question about it if he's able to run free and, and show off that sideline-to-sideline speed. So, uh, obviously, I expect both guys to shine during the scouting combine. Yeah, my thoughts on Kenneth Murray is, I mean, he might be one of the best tacklers I've ever seen. I mean, he just he tackles violently. And his pursuit, I mean, he, he, he has got nasty pursuit. I mean, he is a bad man out there. Um, you know, so I, I you know, uh, Kenneth Murray, I, I think you find the right scheme for him. Uh 
I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if like maybe he he was much of a cover guy, but as far as you know, blitzing him, having him tackle, you know, play, you know, I think he can play a little bit of zone coverage. Um, I I actually, you know, if you want to use him as an inside linebacker, I'm 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 all for taking a Kenneth Murray in the mid first round. Um, and and I just want to talk about my thoughts on Isaiah Simmons. I mean. This guy, this guy is clearly built for today's NFL. I mean, just, you know, a straight great athlete, but also, you know, a guy who can cover. You know, a guy who's going to be asked to really zone in on a tight end, you know. This is the guy, like, you play against Rob Gronkowski, you put him on Rob Gronkowski, and you take him out of the game. I know Gronkowski doesn't play anymore, but, you know, you get you get the point. You know, you play against Jace, or uh, Travis Kelsey or, you know, somebody like that or, you know, George Kittle, and you put him on those guys and you key on key in on those guys and that's how you stop them so Isaiah Simmons you know I I I think he's I think he I think he has the all-around skills but I think and you have to too I mean you have to have the all-around skills but I really like him you know kind of playing that role where whether he's a hybrid linebacker or he's a Sam linebacker or you know if even if he's like more of a strong safety type I, I think I think really his job will be to cover tight ends yeah, you bring up some really valid points out there. These guys are, are built, these two guys, two linebackers, are built for today's NFL. Ten years ago, they would be too small. But in today's NFL, this is exactly what what the league is looking for. Look, before we head out, we're going to make some some points out here. I wanted to continue with the XFL theme, uh, Ed. Man, the quarterbacks really stink in the XFL, Ed. <laughs> I mean, it's it's not like I'm watching the games, but I'm, when I'm watching the highlights, you know, it's just throwing brutal interceptions, talking bad about their offense, and I won't bring up who was talking bad about his his head coach or offensive coordinator or the scheme, but my God, I mean, the, the quarterbacks have been brutal and land there was a Landry Jones sighting you know the backup quarterback of the Steelers I guess he got rolling but man he looks way out of shape and uh, I know he hasn't picked up a football in a while he got the win I think the only guy that I got excited about was PJ Walker a quarterback out of Temple a few years back I think he was with the Colts and now he's he's the starting quarterback uh, in the XFL thought PJ Walker would he was the XFL's version of Lamar Jackson, I guess you could say. He made some plays with his feet and with his arm, and it was exciting to watch. But the XFL needs to to raise its game when it comes to quarterbacks. I know you wanted to uh, to talk about the NFL, Ed. Yeah, I mean, I just just I, I guess the biggest takeaway is you know they're starting to talk about the new CBA. And the, the the good news is is that I I just get the sense that they're gonna have a deal done. Um, and, and I know people aren't really talking about this point exactly, but you know, I, I sort of, I sort of went into this thinking that there would be a lot of negotiation going on and the, I, I thought it was, you know, and, and there might be another lockout. So it sounds like they have a deal and you know, the parameters are starting to come out. I guess the talk is, is that there's going to be a 17 game season. So they're going to play 17 games in the regular season. And then I think the playoffs are going to be seven teams and only the first, the the number one seed is going to get a bye, and I think there's going to be six games on Wild Card Weekend, and so um, yeah, I think I think it's just a little bit more football. I don't think it's going to be drastically more football. I mean, we've heard talk about an 18 game schedule, and 
Um, and, and and I guess there's some more things to hammer out, you know, what, what the players are going to get. I think they're going to get a couple of percentage points more of revenue and, um, you know, and they're fairly deserved. And, um, you know, I, I think it'll be interesting to see what they do with rosters. You know, are they going to expand the practice squad? Are they going to expand the roster? Um, are they going to, you know, what, what are they, what are they going to do as far as, um, you know, roster expansion and just being able to support uh, a season with all these all these guys and all these injuries and rookie walls and stuff like that so um you know i i i but i but but the overall point i want to take is that i'm encouraged that i think a deal is going to get done i think the players are going to get paid a little bit more and um we're going to get more football so all good news all around all right you heard it here first that was ed hunt i'm alex kaftoff This was Blitzcast number 96. Thank you for listening. Take care.